What a delight it is to have with us today one of our country's great entrepreneurs whose company has established itself with not only a loyal following throughout the world, but who has brought the Canadian story, the real Canadian story, to that world. The creative and business genius behind one of Canada's most iconic brands is Michael Budman, who along with his friend Don Green, who is here today, not only created Roots, but successfully guided it to the leading lifestyle brand that it is today. Known internationally for its leather products, athletic and yoga wear, accessories, and home furnishings. A Detroit native, Michael fell in love with our home and native land back in the 50s when he attended Camp Tamaqua in our most famous national park, Algonquin. It just might have been one of those summers in that glorious Canadian wilderness among the breathtaking natural beauty of northern Ontario that sparked the idea for Roots. But whatever the genesis, the, after settling in Toronto in 1970, it wasn't long before Don and Michael began planning. And from one tiny store and one product to more than 120 locations in North America and more than 2,000 employees here in Canada alone, the Roots brand has become to be worn by athletes and some of us non-athletes alike. Under Mr. Budman's leadership, Roots won the equivalent of a manufacturing gold medal when between 1998 and 2006, it was invited to outfit several Olympic teams, including athletes from Canada, the United States, Great Britain, and Barbados. Besides Olympic athletes, Roots has produced custom merchandise for an A-list roster of North American companies, expanding its reach from sports and leisure to arts and entertainment, having developed custom products for films, television shows, concerts, and other major cultural events. In addition to his work at Roots, Mr. Budman supports many causes, especially those with a focus on children and the environment. He's a board member of Right to Play, which, as many of you will know, helps underprivileged children throughout the world through sport. And he's also a board member of Waterkeeper Alliance, which protects rivers and lakes both here in Canada and in the United States. Today, he joins, to, he joins us to discuss, through an intensely personal case study, the importance of manufacturing in Canada for Canadian companies, why Canadian is increasingly marketable, and why Canadians remain relevant. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming co-founder and president of Roots Canada, Michael Budman and Amanda Lang to our stage. Thanks, Jamie. <clears throat> Michael, thank you for being here. Thank I appreciate you. you're doing this. Um, we've talked in the past, uh, Michael and I, about manufacturing in Canada. And I, I want to begin, if you don't mind, um, and then we will get to your questions and a conversation that I hope is um, as fascinating as I anticipate. Uh, one of the, the, the video I'm going to show you is a piece that I did for CBC News on Roots. Um, and the, the reason it was relevant for us as a business story is because in the heart of a recession, countries tend to get protectionist, and protectionism is one of the great evils uh, of the world. It, it uh, impedes trade and actually can slows grow, slow growth. 
Um, and Canada, of course, tends not to be as protectionist as some of its neighbors. But we set out to ask the question, when does made in Canada, when is a little bit of economic nationalism a good thing? And can you quantify it? And so we actually focused on one roots item, the village bag. And we, uh, we set out to try to answer the question, what does it mean when a company commits to making something here? So if we can play that video first. Well, look at all those packages just flying off the conveyor belts and onto trucks, getting shipped far and wide. FedEx projected that today would be its busiest shipping day ever. That's because you've been busy shopping. But what if you were to shop a little closer to home? Say, pick a product made in Canada. Well, your purchase could make a big difference, not only to that special someone who receives it, but to those who are involved in making it. Our senior business correspondent, Amanda Lang, is back with this story. As Canadians go about their holiday shopping, not many of us think about where what we're buying was made, but it has a big effect on employment, on income, right across the country. Consumers power 60% of the Canadian economy. So what effect does a Made in Canada label have? We decided to follow one product, the Roots Village Bag, to find out. We start here, the Roots Toronto Leather Factory. Meet Roots co-founder, Michael Budman. The Village Bag is in the top three Roots products that's ever been produced. So that, that bag has sold an astonishing amount of units. Manufacturing in Canada has seen some tough times, but Roots branded hits like the Village Bag have kept the factory humming. Budman, with Roots co-founder Don Green, made a decision to keep making their leather goods in Canada even as their own consultants told them not to. They urged us to shut the factory and move offshore because of the margins. And I think the best single decision Don and I made was to take a sledgehammer to that middle management group. Which means hundreds of people still have work, making the village bag right here. And the ripple effect is is gigantic. I mean, uh, it starts with the people we employ. We've never missed a paycheck. The village bag starts life as leather imported from Italy. It's inspected and sorted. The hides are then cut by an employee working a state-of-the-art computer-controlled cutting machine. Budman is in his factory every day, and that lets him see how he could improve his 1,600 employees' jobs. I come to the factory every day for at least five hours, and every day my motivation is to make it better. One little thing. One change, rather than an assembly line where a worker never sees the finished product, Roots employees work in groups. They call them rinks, so every member of a team can see the village bag they've worked on. Gluing and cutting. The brand stamped by another worker. Others sew the bag together. And attach the final details. It's pounded into shape and the village bag is ready for shipping. I see it all the time, especially this bag. It's, it's everywhere, and it, it makes me feel happy. Look, I, I, I did it. Maria Silva has worked here for 14 years, and her paycheck supports a host of other people as her spending ripples through the economy. She's one of the 1.8 million Canadians still employed in manufacturing. 
I have a mortgage and I have bills to pay and shopping and this helps the economy because I, I get I get money I can give I can spend money. The village bag still has a ways to travel before it gets to the store and many more jobs created along the way. The bags are picked up by one employee, loaded onto a truck by another who drives it to the warehouse. He's about one of 400,000 Canadians who work in trucking. At the warehouse, it's inspected and repacked. 200 work in this part of Roots operations alone. Then it's shipped. Another truck delivers it to the store. Checked by more staff, and then an employee, one of two million Canadians who work in retail, gets it to the shelf. Which is where Alison Walker found her village bag. I've had a village bag for the last couple of years that I was really happy with and wanted another one. For every $150 spent on leather goods made in Canada, here's where the money goes. Eight sectors benefit. From government taxes to the cost of imported machines and materials to manufacturers, the retailer, transportation and warehousing, and financing. Each sector creates its own ripple effect. And this factory has never been busier in 37 years. And uh, it's due to tremendous sales at retail. So just how many jobs at Roots are involved in making and moving the village bag that Allison bought? A surprising 63 So when Alison Walker found and bought this bag, she helped keep a lot of people working. The employees are from Ontario, then obviously that's going to have an effect on the economy. That may help consumers like Alison see Made in Canada in a whole new light. Now, this is not about protectionism at all. In fact, the folks at Roots are pretty adamant about competing globally based on the strength of the product. What they'd like, they say, is more Canadian manufacturers to be competitive and make their products here as well. Well. That was a long item. Um, one of the things, though, that, that I kind of came away with, I'll be honest, the, to me, one of the most telling things, because we can go through the numbers on whether your margins would be better on this bag if you made it in Turkey or the Philippines. Uh, the fact that you're in the factory and you see your employees really struck home for me because it changes the way uh, you relate to them and um, their work environment. You actually go in and make it better for them because they're seeing their faces. They're not some faceless people. Yeah, I think that... Um the energy in the factory is extraordinary based on uh, we're there from 7.30 till 4.30. It is, after all, a factory, but it's, it's, the aesthetic is really beautiful. We just have a new lunchroom. We're constantly upgrading the equipment. Uh, people feel that, and of course, there's nothing like a, a busy factory. And, and what I said in December is even truer now that this is the busiest the factory's ever been. And, we're at uh, a tipping point with the amount of people. And in the last uh, three months, we've spent, Don and I have spent a tremendous amount of resources uh, getting new equipment. And we'll get into that a little later. But I think that um, that has a lot to do with how the f- product looks. So let's, let's address this question. And I don't think it's a, a slam dunk on either side. But you must hear from people who say, this is just kind of another form of economic nationalism 
Uh, it's misplaced patriotism. If you can make the bag more cheaply somewhere else, the economy's better off, full stop. How do you respond to that argument? Well, you know, in, in preparing for this uh, interview, I, I did a lot of homework, something Don and I didn't do too much of in university. But um, <laughs> we, we, and by the way, if there's any tough questions later, I will defer to Don because he's a lot smarter than I am. Um, wait, what was the question? <laughs> we got off. Don? <laughs> what, how do you respond to the, the criticism that, that it's not all rosy to, yeah. to stick to Canada? In doing that research, you look at a company like Apple, which is strictly outsources everything, devotes all their time and energy to marketing, and product development, and they're hitting a home run. Sony was a believer in making it themselves. It's part of our DNA. Um, Don's father had his own factory that, in Detroit, Michigan that manufactured parts for the big three, when the big three were the big three, but they are today, which is great news for North America. First time since 2005, the big three are really the big three. And my father was in the home improvement business, which their whole business was based on direct to the public. We love manufacturing. We love having the factory. We think that such creativity comes from the shop floor. And to be able to come up with an idea on Monday and see it in our own store on Friday to test it out for the weekend is a big advantage that we have against our competitors. Also, who we are is really judged by, we judge it by what we make, and the people that were putting the bread on their table is one of the greatest joys in, in running the business for Don and myself. So do you think more Canadian manufacturers should make an effort to bring manufacturing back? Because that would be what they would have to do. A lot, of, a lot of manufacturers have gone. Yeah, I mean, there's so many reasons why it all left. And, for example, we're cutting 50,000 feet of leather every week. And it's unfortunate there's not one tannery in this country that could even come close to satisfying our needs or create leather of the quality. So there's all those jobs. There used to, when we started the business in 73, there were great tanneries here. And we, all our leather, of course, came. So that leather has to be shipped from Italy, and oil has to be used to get it here. But... Um, I just think it's, it's for us, it's, it's who we are and what the essence of the company really is all about. When, was there a, a moment when you decided this would be the case, or did it happen fairly organically? <clears throat> well, from day one, um, through the influence of uh, our fathers, we always wanted to be making the products ourselves. As we evolved, and when things got really difficult to manufacture in Canada in, in the early 2000s, there was a lot of pressure by professional management that we brought in to move offshore. And I think in 2004, we both realized that we were going in the wrong direction. And at that time, we decided that I would put all my energy into trying to reorganize the factory, and Don is running the design studio, and sort of split the load. And... Um, I met with the Kovaleski family, which we've worked with since day one, and, and we told them that um, we're going to take a whole new approach, and um, it was a very counterintuitive idea that we felt we had to dig in, and no matter what anyone said, we're going to make 
the products, the leather good products in Canada. I think it was one of the best single decisions that, that we made. Now, as everybody knows, the Canadian dollar um, has just about never been stronger. And so the, this decision is uh, increasingly financially painful for you. On the contrary, the, the dollar, we buy uh, all our leather in euros and the dollar, and uh, it's been very helpful on that level, yeah. on buying certain supplies. And that balances off all your labor costs? It's enough of a... Yes. Yeah. And as, you know, I don't want to say we're automating the factory because we want to create more jobs, but we're evolving the factory where we're buying equipment that makes us much more uh, globally competitive. And uh, I think you saw some of the state-of-the-art digital laser cutters, sewing machines. <clears throat> That's been uh, a great evolution. And that sort of technological investment is something you're doing more of. So talk a little bit about that because that's, again, that's not uh, equipment you can buy in Canada. You have to buy that somewhere else. Yeah, the majority of that equipment comes from Europe and Italy. And, um, you know, we, we used to have all clicker machines and, and um, the operator would have to go to the wall, get the metal dies, would style a bag or a pair of shoes, the dies would cost about $5,000, and you'd have to bring it to the machine and click it out. Now everything is done digitally, computerized, and it's laser cut, so the cost of the dies has been eliminated, which is a huge savings. And it just uh, the sewing equipment is much more computerized. And we've come across something that's been very helpful. Robert, could you pass me something? I want to show everyone. This is... Um, a new product that is called the Roots Pocketbook. And this product is going to be pre-launched on our website on 7-7-11, July 7th, 2011. And our, our interest is to follow technology to create products that work well with technology. So inside the pocket is a product called the Kobo Sleeve. Now, the Kobo sleeve was invented by Carl Kovaleski. Carl is here with us today. He's the world's leading expert on leather, and he also drinks Dos Equis beer. <laughs> uh, he's a terrific guy. He's been, Carl started with Don and I in 1972 when he was 17. He got tremendous uh, skill from his father, who was a master shoemaker. And um, one of our good friends, who unfortunately couldn't be here today, uh, created the Kobo Reader because, as we know, the book business has changed dramatically, which all businesses will be. And she came to our shop floor and met with Carl, and Carl created this leather sleeve. So we've made close to 200,000 of these leather sleeves in our factory through his ingenuity and our resources, and um, it's branded Kobo and then on the back it's stamped roots, and it fits into this new pocketbook, which has a turnkey lock, and it's again a crossbody bag, but it's a more of an evolution of the village bag. And we have a lot of confidence that this is gonna be a great product because uh, for the majority of women that wear it, it will house everything from their Blackberry pocket there to their Kobo reader or the it's rim. The playbook might fit in there, too. Playbook definitely fits in there. But not an iPad. iPad, we've got a bigger size for okay. the iPad. <laughs> and that's a real challenge to keep up with technology, but they're 
definitely setting the pace. Um, we've got some questions from just, the just room. Just to one, one thing I'd like to say, Amanda. Oh, you this, didn't say the price. The price is going to be 109 I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, okay. <laughs> the, um, the one thing that this Kobo sleeve has done is it's created 25 new jobs in the factory. We've bought, I think, 18 new sewing machines, some of the cutting machines. We job out the cresting because it's uh, taken over so much. And it, right now it's about 15% of our production. So I think that is a pure creation of new jobs. Also, it's a relatively simple product to train people on, and hopefully these are going to become artisans. One of the um, kind of preoccupations of, uh, that I have uh, about the Canadian economy is our productivity problem, which can be defined in many ways, but some people would say is a lack of innovation and investment. Uh, this is probably something you collaborate on, but we're, in what part of the process, when you say you're making investment in new technology, new equipment, uh, is, that just to, is that all driven with profit in mind? And what, why do you make that choice? Because that's a big capital outlay. Until recently, there were strange taxes on it. How do you make that decision? Well, I mean, that's a decision that Don and I make together, what we want to commit. You know, we're a private company uh, with Don and his family and his wife, Denise, and my wife. We're, we're, one, you know, we're the only private company against all our competitors. And, you know, our, our belief is to really invest in our people and invest for our customers. So that's where we think it, it needs it. And I think that the investment in these cutting machines and these sewing machines is always based on being more profitable. And I, I, I really feel the, pro the factory is the most profitable it's ever been today. One of the questions from the room um, refers to a recent conference on U.S.-Canada relations where several people, including Frank McKenna at TD, uh, said they preferred not to brand Canada as a kind of an alternative to buy America. What do you think about that thought? Not to brand Canada. In other words, uh, we look at that form of protectionism, the whole buy America movement, and we think that's a bad thing. How do you say, make it in Canada, be proud of that, and yet it's not a counterpoint to that? It's not. I think because um, Don and myself both moved here from America, we have a different view on Canada. Part of it is from a very happy childhood experiences at, at the summer camp in Algonquin, but it's also we've both been fortunate to start our own adult lives here, raise our families and educate them here, uh, live in one of the greatest cities in the world, and are living in probably the, the greatest country with the greatest lifestyle in today's world. I think it's Canada and Scandinavia. We're proud of that fact. We're proud that um, we took all our energy and our uh, youthful inexperience and started our own factory. We love nothing more than I love to see that branding stamp Roots Canada. And I think people take pride in that. And last night we were at a business meeting and I was telling Don I was a few challenges I was upset with and some stranger walked by and sort of cornered us for 15 minutes and told us how great Roots was and how proud they were of the Canadian made. I think Canadians love, <clears throat> they love their hockey and they love Canadian made products. And um, we're, we're really proud of that fact. One of the things that's striking about Roots is that that Canadian branding works for you internationally. Uh, when, did we, when did that kind of become apparent that this was going to be a selling feature? <clears throat> I think on two levels. One, 
um, people started wearing roots, and when they got to Amsterdam or Paris or Asia, they were recognized immediately as Canadians. And then um, our daughter went to Taiwan for a two-week inter internship, and in Taiwan, uh, we're the number one lifestyle brand, and we have 40 stores there in a country that has 23 million people. And let me just read, uh, she did a little reportage for us um, about her experience. My daughter Alex visited Taiwan a few months ago and wrote an article about her impressions and experiences. I'd just like to share this with you. After only one night in ta Taipei, I was no longer shocked every time I saw a root sweatshirt. You can barely walk for two minutes without seeing another one. The sweatshirts with Whistler on them were particularly popular. The Taiwanese love the idea of freedom and openness of Canada and its healthy, active outdoor lifestyle. Quite juxtaposed to Taipei's busy urban lifestyle and intense shopping culture. Wearing Canada or Vancouver on your sweatshirt is clearly cool in Taiwan. So I think we've been fortunate enough to capitalize on the great outdoor lifestyle here, which we believe in and, and is at the forefront of the culture of the company. Um, that's been translated, and um, our partners there, Lee and Fung, intend to expand greatly in, in Asia with us. What don't you make in Canada? Well, there are certain apparel products that are impossible to make here at, at this moment, but it seems that's evolving. Certain sweatshirts, which we, we, we love the sweatshirt. Uh, Don and I invented the sweatshirt when, in 1917. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we, we love that product. Certain sweatshirts that say Canada we make here, but other ones it's impossible. Sweaters and knits have become very difficult. And, but wherever we can, we try and make it here. Two questions, um, very good ones. Uh, what premium do you pay to buy locally? Well, personally or the company? Oh, no, I think that's it. Com yeah. Well, I think that... Um, or maybe that is about the company. Questioner? Yes. Company? Yeah. I think that, um, you know, we're certainly on certain products not getting the margin we can when we buy offshore. But when you weigh all of the advantages or disadvantages, we, we feel it's much more important to make it here and have the control and <clears throat> be part of the process and know whose hands it's going through. Do you have to charge, do you knowingly have to charge a premium in order to have done that? Um, not really, and I, I think at Roots we have such a great fair value equation to the product that um, you know it's a highly recognized brand at a very reasonable price. Um, but of course, you know, we're, we're striving for that great profitability. And, and a question from the same questioner, how important is buying just in time? Uh, that has become absolute crucial in the retail environment. If you're a day late, you're done. And, and, and uh, when we started, there was two seasons, spring and fall. Now there's a new season every day. And the consumer has a very short memory. A question about environmental practices. Maybe easier to control, actually, if you're not sending it offshore to some other environment you don't have. Oh, I, I think it's, you know, when you're thinking globally and acting locally, you, you have a much better opportunity to have less offense to the environment. And guess what? We're living in a very angry world right now, climate-wise and 
tsunami-wise. So I, I think any little bit helps where you're thinking about the environmental repercussions of, of what you're doing. Somebody wants to know if uh, you'll be dressing Prince William again. He's coming well, here in July. <clears throat> we, we hope so. I mean, that was a great uplifting experience, and um, especially based on the timing of the family. And um, I know Raymond Perkins is here somewhere, and I hope he's going to be, we're all going to be thinking about that. And they certainly, uh, they loved uh, their roots the last time. Um, somebody says, as a company that supports environmental responsibility and social responsibility, how do you respond to the criticism of using leather? Well, that's a big issue, but leather is a byproduct. Um, of a cow. Of a cow. It's, it, <laughs> animal, cows are not killed for shoe leather. They're killed for consumption of meat. And that's an issue that's, uh, very difficult, but products like shoes and bags are much uh, better in leather, and we deal with the finest tanneries in Italy that have the most environmentally friendly ways of tanning leather, and that is crucial to to who we are. Okay, well, as long as I'm alive, there will always be leather for you to have for your shoes. Uh, <laughs> I'll be have, <laughs> eating the meat. Um, <laughs> not all of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody wants to know a uh, major challenge for retailers today. Where are you in terms of coming through the recession? How did that affect you? Well, <clears throat> I think we, we came through the recession well because we, we intuitively know how to promote. Um, during this exercise... No kidding. I, yeah, we, during this exercise, as I said, I read a lot of... scanned a lot of books about Zappos and Starbucks and I read this new one yesterday about the new rules of retailing, and if you read those, uh, some of them can be pretty depressing. It's, there, there is a new rule of retailing, and that is you have to give incredible customer service. So when you come into a root store, and we have the luxury of we have our own stores with our own people and the opportunity to train our people, I couldn't imagine personally, Don and I, dealing with uh, you know, third parties. So we, we, we have that edge and um, how the stores look, how they feel. Today, you know, maybe you didn't notice, but we had our good friend Robbie Robinson's new music on. The food was organic. The vegetables were from local farms. The ice cream was from the honey they make on the roof of the Royal York um, Hotel. You know, we're trying to create a better experience, and the better experience, the more compelling product, the more trusted brand, the more successful you're going to be. In case anybody missed that, what you're saying is, um, Jamie, will you pass me Allison's question card? Uh, you didn't just come here to lunch, apparently. <laughs> you suggested that the food should be organic and that the honey should come from the... I mean, you were intimately involved in... So I guess that yeah. makes me wonder um, how much of this business and what it is and what it's done is about you and Don. Well, I think that um, we have a rare uh, uh, situation that the two of us started something that was a blank piece of paper. And when you start like that and you stick to something for 37 years, it's a remarkable feat. And very few people have that opportunity. And uh, I think that as the company has evolved and the business evolved, 
we've been extremely fortunate and to benefit from the travel in the 70s to Europe, to different opportunities that have come our way, to the experience with the Olympics. So it's, it is, um, it's not, we're not trying to make it all about us, but we're trying to use all of the uh, things that we've learned throughout our life and evolution and make it a more important, relevant company. Do you evangelize on this? When you talk to other Canadian manufacturers and producers, retailers, do you say, what's wrong with you? Why are you sending stuff no, offshore? No, I mean, these people who work with us, they don't listen to me anymore anyway. <laughs> but um, I don't, you know, we're, we're, we, we try and go about our business in an orderly way, but of course, if we don't put ourselves out in front of the public, everyone's going to forget. Um, I think we try and... Um, be directly honest and treat our public with dignity and respect the same way we treat the people that work with us. And we've been doing that since day one, and I think we have a good record. There are some um, big U.S. retailers pushing into this market in, a, in what feels like a new way, uh, certainly the targets of the world. Does that <clears throat> worry you? Where is that on your radar? Well, competition makes you better. Um, I don't see anything in America that excites me lifestyle-wise or quality of living. I am so thankful my children were educated in, in Canada and brought up here. Um, a lot of the media you know, feels like this big threat is looming. I read it again today from a certain writer in the Globe and Mail. You know, hey, um, we will deal with com com competitors, and when we are challenged, we will push back. And uh, I don't think the, the Vancouver Canucks are afraid of the big, bad Boston and Bruins. You know, it's, it's, you have to up your game if you're going to uh, more people compete. But the key is to make unique, irresistible product. And if you can continue to make that and evolve that, you will succeed. What's the product that you wish you could make but can't, and why? What's the product? Um, you don't make suits. No, no, we don't. You don't see me in a suit too often. Um, well, maybe we, we started making uh, sheepskin boots in 1974. Maybe we should have stuck to it a little longer. Hmm. Did you ever think about going public? Yes, I mean, we, we, we've you know, been approached on many levels to go public. We had a very great partner for eight years with CIBC, but now that the business is totally in our hands privately, um, you know, everything tastes better and everything looks better, and I think we'll stay with what we've got for the moment and um, try and, and, and capitalize on our strengths and our resources and really we like answering to our employees and to our public and to our customers, not shareholders. As you grow, do you grow? Uh, do you grow your manufacturing bases? In other words, will, you, will there be a huge operation manufacturing routes in China? I don't think so, but I think that we'd like to grow <clears throat> the factory here, and we're we're at the tipping point, so we're starting to think about what we're going to be doing. Um, because the orders are increasing, the demand for our products is greater. We're sending um, thousands of bags to Asia, made in Canada, which is a, a counterintuitive move that are selling. So I think we're, 
we're definitely where we can. We're going to stay in Canada, but uh, we do we do love manufacturing here. What about your U.S. experience? Tough market for well Canadian um, retailers. Yeah, at the moment we have four healthy stores in America. Uh, we've had more, and you know I think Don and I aren't prepared to invest our time, energy, and money right now into the U.S. expansion. And when Mr. Wright comes by and wants to help us, maybe that'll be it, or some young buck. But I don't think it's as tough a market. It's just uh, the focus we've put on Canada and, and now Asia. And we really want to expand into, into Europe because we, we think we would be very successful there. And another question uh, that I think is a good one to just about end with. Uh, what's your favorite Roots product and why? Well, my daughter's here. My, the Alex Pack was one of my favorites. It was named after her. I think the original Sport Root was something that we should be really proud of. Um, you know, we, we really didn't know what we were doing, and that was the first hit we ever had. And um, when Don and I started the company in 72 by... Uh, our first store opened in August of 73, and by uh, April of 74, we were making 2,000 of those a day. So that was a good experience. So I, I'd have to say the negative heel shoe. But we're also really proud that we're back in the footwear business. In, in America, I know it's a $40 billion business, and footwear is a great business that keeps a store very relevant because it's a necessity. So I'm very partial to the footwear. And I guess um, I should ask you, your involvement, your energy, it's not just you, Don, your whole families are still there every day, many, many hours a day. How long does that go on, and what happens on the other side of that? Well, you know, if you're not engaged fully in this business, you're going to be done very quickly. And, um, you know, it is much more competitive, and it's much faster, and it's much, in certain ways, difficult, but... Like I said, a lot of people are succeeding. So you need full engagement because of this great BlackBerry. You don't have to be um, there every minute. But, um, you know, it's, it's working for us. And uh, we haven't gotten into the boxing ring yet to slug it out. We've never had an argument over money. Um, you know, we've been uh, extremely successful in, in our lives. We've never pursued money as much as we've pursued success. Uh, God willing, you know, we'll both stay healthy. And, and um, a big part of what we're trying to do at Roots is, is promote a healthy way of life. So I think as long as it, 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 uh, we can stay fully engaged, when you can't, then it's time to let go. All right. Do you have any closing thoughts yeah. for us? Um, when we picked this date, I didn't realize it was a Friday. <clears throat> and I want to thank everyone for coming on such a beautiful day. And Amanda, I, w I really want to thank you for that piece you did um, back in December. I mean, it really made our Christmas business. It was a, it was a, unbelievable how many people came into the store and said, I want to buy bags made in Canada. Don't take this the wrong way. That's not what a journalist wants to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so on Friday, my dad used to have his sales meetings. And he had 150 salesmen that went direct to the public, door-to-door, -door, selling home improvement. And he prided himself on helping men, mostly men that, that uh, had problems getting jobs. 
And the first day they came to work, he always gave them a card with a poem on it. And the poem was called Don't Quit. And in closing, I want to read a couple paragraphs because um, <clears throat> I think it's relevant. Don't quit. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, and you want to smile but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of clouds of doubt, and you never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when you're hardest hit. It's when things seem the worst that you must not quit. Beautiful. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Bill. Well, Michael, thank you for that. And Amanda, thank you as well. And Amanda, can I ask you just to say uh, more formal thanks? I'll do it from here. Uh, just a, on a formal note, on behalf of the club, as the vice president of the club, uh, we conceived of this idea, and one of the things that we were interested in is um, it's a celebration of, um, in my head I call it the industrialists. There are people who've made this country better, uh, that, uh, that have contributed in an outsized way, and you were one of the first names that came to mind uh, for that, so we appreciate your time and your thoughts and, uh, frankly, your input into, into this great country. Um, I don't know if it's the, the uh, zealotry of the converted, but uh, for an American, you make a damn fine Canadian. And, uh, so on behalf of the, uh, of the Canadian Club, I'd just like to say thank you very much for being here with your family and, uh, and your thoughts, and we hope to do it again sometime. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Well, please let your friends and colleagues know that a podcast of today's event will be available early next week on iTunes. Simply visit the event listing on our website and click the podcast link. This concludes our television programming, which has been broadcast live by Rogers Television. We're grateful to Rogers TV and to 680 News for their continuing support of the Canadian Club events. On your way out, it's your lucky day. Please be sure to pick up your gift bag. It is, of course, courtesy of our friends at Roots. Thank you all for joining us today. This meeting is now adjourned.